I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. When I was growing up, we had a big privet hedge in the front garden. And I was always fascinated by the way it would change over the seasons. It would change colour, it would change density. In the spring and summer, it would be this really big, vibrant, green, solid kind of mass. And then as the days got colder and autumn turned into winter, some of the leaves would fall off. It would go this softer, yellowish, almost moss green colour, become more permeable and the birds would flock to it because they would nest in it and they would use it for shelter and roosting. It really gave me a love of hedges that's lasted to this day. And I've learned over the years that winter's a time when hedges really come into their own. They give this amazing structure to gardens. I love seeing evergreen hedges powdered with frost and snow and the deep copper leaves of beech hedges, which almost seem to glow in the low light. And then of course, it's prime time for planting many of them. So for today's show, we thought it fitting to bring you an ode to the hedge. Every space in your garden is an opportunity and the hedge is no exception. You could have at your disposal such a simple tool. It made me start to question why it was that our hedge kept its leaves over winter while the beech tree at the bottom of the garden didn't. We'll hear from RHS horticultural scientist Dr Tiana Blanusa on her research into the environmental benefits hedges can provide. We'll get the scoop from expert grower and self-proclaimed plant nerd Kevin Hobbs on unconventional plant varieties that end up making great garden barriers. Plus, RHS advisor and longtime friend of the show, Lee Hunt, will fill us in on the specifics of planting successful hedges this January. But that's not all. Sprinkled through the episode, we'll be bringing you hedge love letters from other RHS colleagues. It's a jam-packed, hedge-filled episode. Welcome to Gardening with the RHS with me, Gareth Richards. Let's dive right in, shall we, and head to the seaside with Jenny Bowden. My favourite hedge is Grizzlinia literalis. It does have a common name. It's called New Zealand broadleaf, but I wouldn't say it's used that commonly. Grizzlinia literalis has gorgeous round leaves and they're the colour of Granny Smith apples, I'd say. I love it for its lushness throughout the year. It seems enthusiastic. It also gives a very good cover all the way down to the ground. This is certainly not a hedge with bare legs. The only thing it hasn't got is memorable flowers, but that's okay, we can forgive it that. I love that Grizzlinia is fast growing and it seems to be immune to honey fungus, which is a plant disease which affects many shrubs and trees. Grizzlinia reminds me of British beach towns where you see it quite often and it resists those salty winds and the sandy dry soils. 
It seems like a kind of coastal barrier between pavement and front gardens, just as Privet is to the city. Above all, Grisolinia reminds me of my own garden, where it sets off my sandy borders and the patio where we sit and chat with friends. It really is the backdrop to our summer lives. Like Jenny, I love Grisolinia. It has these amazing, absolutely perfect, shiny leaves. And that's not because it's been sprayed with anything, it's because it is this most amazingly resilient plant. Of course, Grisolinia doesn't just provide an attractive, lush border for your garden. Like all hedges, it really can help prevent floods and protect you from noise pollution. For the past few years, scientists at the RHS have been conducting research on the many environmental benefits of growing hedges. Here to share some of their findings, as well as to introduce some of their new and exciting projects, is Principal Horticultural Scientist Tiana Blanusa. The whole umbrella, I would say, under which my work is happening is I'm trying to understand which functional traits you need within your plants to provide these different benefits. So how they cool and how they attract pollutants and also how they reduce flood risks. Hedges then I came to reasonably intuitively at the time because I was looking for a model setup. So plants that are quite easy to work with, that are relatively inexpensive, that are quite widespread. So hedges in the UK are quite a ubiquitous feature in many gardens. Almost 50% of UK gardens have natural hedges and they take little space. And I thought they could really be a good in-row for us to understand multiple benefits that a form of green infrastructure can provide. It's something that people can relate to and also incorporate in their gardens and also more widely in the public realm. The three key ecosystem services that we decided to focus on were ability of hedges and hedgerows to provide cooling and building insulation, to provide reduction of flood risks and flood mitigation and improvement of air quality. So in terms of plants and characteristics that you need to deliver a particular service, this is what we have figured out so far. So for air pollution capture, the kinds of characteristics that you want in your hedge is large area and dense canopy and leaf surfaces which are quite complex and rough and some representatives of such canopies would be Eliagnus, this broad leaf evergreen, and then quite a few conifers, Tui applicata, western red cedar, Taxus baccata, common yew are examples of hedges which we've shown in our experiments have good accumulation of particles on their surfaces which are then taken out of the air. So for cooling, the kinds of characteristics that we want in the hedgerow would be, again, dense canopy, but also plants which have high transpiration rates, because the main mechanism whereby plants cool in this type of climate that we have here in the UK is through this transpirational water loss. So you have water loss from plant, from liquid into gas, into the atmosphere, and that's a process that consumes the energy from the surrounding air, creating the cooling of the air. And good examples of such plants are, for example, Forsythia, cherry laurel is another one, then Lonicera. They're all quite physiologically active plants which should provide benefits. It's not to say that other species 
wouldn't have a benefit, but these are our top performers when it comes to cooling. In terms of flood mitigation, the characteristics are very similar to what one would want for cooling because it's the same mechanism. It's that pumping of water, albeit not for cooling, but to remove it from the soil, and then also large canopy to retain some of the rainfall. And then examples of that are, again, Forsythia, to an extent also privet, Soligastrum species, and also hawthorn. It works best, obviously, when it's in leaf. It's a deciduous plant. It potentially could help with heavy summer rainfalls, whereas something like privet that is semi-evergreen and can even be fully evergreen in areas with milder climate, in towns and cities where it's slightly warmer, they could provide a year-round service. I do have a hedge. It's an evergreen privet. And we've acquired it when we got the house, and it was minuscule. It was probably up to my knees, and it's now nearly shoulder height. I'm quite pleased about that one, so that I'm not just preaching it, but actually living it. <laughs> so, I mean, anecdotal evidence plus scientific evidence, I, I would say, you know, it's definitely dry underneath my hedge because it's quite a dense one, and our cat likes to hide under it and sleep under it in summer weather. Definitely, that's the place we find our cat. But, you know, scientific evidence shows that depending on the intensity of rainfall, a good dense hedge can store about 50% of an event within the canopy and therefore really reduce the volume of runoff, which is quite an issue when you have overburdened drainage systems. And that actually influence of the hedge spreads wider than the actual hedge width. So usually the impact of where the hedge dries goes about twice the height that you have. So you can expect drier soil from the area which is two times the height of the hedge that you have. So in, in many ways, the, the bigger, the better. What I'm actually doing currently is winter experiments because most of our experiments and most of biological research tends to be in the summer. It's easier for all sorts of reasons because our plants are more active and you get bigger differences quicker. But we have started experiments this autumn to actually assess what the evergreens are doing in winter. We are trying to see to what extent their function is reduced in winter, which it will be because light levels are lower and temperatures are lower. And we know that they provide structural service in winter because they retain leaves and they have these branches. So they could be a barrier to noise. They could be a barrier to a particulate air pollution. But we want to see whether they retain some level of function as well. So to what extent they're able to pump the water out of the soil and reduce flood risks in winter. So besides our scientific testing on various sites during different seasons, we have also started a project with a local school in Sari who have been extremely willing partners on the idea of planting a hedge within their school grounds and then us RHS scientists going into the grounds and monitoring year-round the performance of that hedge. But we will also be using that hedge as an educational showpiece around which we have created some research for children to empower them, to infuse them, to show them there are various possibilities that come from a simple solution like a hedge and hopefully instill in them the lifelong appreciation of what simple greening solutions can do for our urban environment. I'm really enthusiastic about this research genuinely because 
Hedges are prevalent. Hedges are relatively cheap. People can relate to hedges and they provide a lot of additive, simple benefits. And I think that excites me that you could have at your disposal such a simple tool. And then it's also nice to be adding to that bank of knowledge in a responsible sort of way so that we actually can recommend certain planting combinations, knowing what they are actually doing. And plus this obviously work with school goes without saying it's just so invigorating, empowering them to do positive environmental steps and then really hoping for the best. Thanks, Tiana. If you'd like to learn more about Tiana's research, check out the links in our show notes. One of the great things about hedges is the vast variety of plants you can use to create them. While some make ideal barriers from roads with that dense canopy, others provide perpetually changing aesthetic interest with flowers that bloom in summer and leaves that change in autumn. And then others attract all sorts of critters with delicious mouth-watering berries. Here to talk about that last sort is Senior Horticultural Advisor, Nikki Barker. I love lots of different hedges, but my particular favourite is around my allotment, and it's a Prunus spinosa hedge, which is blackthorn or slow hedge. It's quite a dense hedge and it's quite spiky as well, but it has fabulous flowers really early in the spring when probably almost nothing else is flowering. And it has lots of butterflies that seem to feed on the leaves. And then in late summer and autumn, you get these gorgeous, shiny, metallic blue berries. And as well as being food for wildlife and birds, they make the most amazing jams and jellies. I remember my grandmother making slow jelly, dripping it through a cloth on an upturned stool, something that I've never been able to do, and I wish I could. And also, obviously, you can make slow gin and things like that out of them. And even though it does drop its leaves in the winter, because it's quite dense, it still provides really good protection from the wind around my veg patch. And it's also great as part of a mixed native hedge as well, so you don't just have to have Prunus spinosa. You can mix it up with hawthorn and holly and things like that as well for a native hedge. But I think just for the slow berries alone, it's well worth it. Thanks, Nikki. I'm a big fan of slows, although I have to admit I don't make jelly. They go straight into some gin. It is the most wonderful winter warmer. Just a little tot of slow gin to round off your night is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because so many shrubs and trees work beautifully as hedges, it can be easy to feel overwhelmed by all the options. If you're looking for something unique but don't know where to start, you're in luck. Here's grower Kevin Hobbs with a long list of varieties that are often and unfortunately overlooked. I was a Hillier apprentice in 1985, and what a place to work, right next to what was then called the Hillier Arboretum, nowadays the Sir Harold Hillier Gardens, and a huge collection of plants from all around the world. So I had that advantage, really, of being a sponge as a young man, learning about all these plants. You know, in the context of this discussion, what I find interesting is that we had acres of stock plants to take cutting material from. And I soon realised, actually, that those stock plants were essentially hedges. It gave you an insight into, you know, just the vast array of plants that could be used for hedging. I worked with Hillier for a, a number of years, and having left, I worked at a nursery called Fromefield Nursery, grew lots of rare and unusual plants from seed, and uh, that further broadened my kind of knowledge and horizons. 
And then having gone back to Hillier in 2000 and having a family of my own, my two boys at that stage used to run and play between these stock plant hedges and the cotinus with their long watery growth would make great kind of swords and they would run around having sword fights and hide and seek in amongst the stock plants. So they are really quite special, those stock plant fields to us. My experience with working with such a wide range of plants you know, throughout my career has given me an insight into subjects that might be considered unusual as a hedging plant. For me, in my own garden now, at the front of the house, next to the pavement, we've planted Euonymus alatus Chicago fire, which is relatively unusual to use as a hedging plant. It's deciduous, but of course, in that situation, we're looking for a barrier rather than for privacy. So Yonus alatus has these corky branches, which are very ascetic and obviously very prominent during the uh, winter. But what we are really excited about is having the autumn display. So come late summer into autumn, Chicago fire in particular has got very scarlet, bright red autumn colour. In the back garden, we've got a Victorian cemetery behind us. So we're very lucky. We've got a very old brick wall. Unfortunately, the brick wall is only maybe a little over waist height. So it kind of poses a security risk. We wanted to be able to see the wall because it's beautiful. We wanted to be able to see over the wall into the graveyard because it's got all the cedar and all the usual graveyard trees. Very beautiful indeed. We didn't want to obscure that so I decided to plant climbing roses along the, the wall and this would add security. So it would beautify the wall without completely obscuring it and of course roses have prickles. The prickles are very effective at stopping anyone being tempted to hop over our wall and have a nose around our garden. As aside from you know, traditional shrubs and trees that are used in hedging, what is very seldom considered, and I've championed in recent years, is using climbers essentially as hedging. By constructing a relatively inexpensive fence, which could be wood or wire, you can train the climbers along that fence and depending on the, your selection of climber, they eventually will start to fill out and produce a hedge. And the advantage of using climbers in this way is typically they take up less space. So the footprints of modern gardens are becoming smaller, as we all know. And what you can't really afford is to have a Prunus lorisoracis, for example, you know, the large leaf evergreen laurel which unless you maintain it very carefully and, and are very diligent, it can end up being a couple of metres or more thick. So with using climbers in such a way, you can create that barrier. It can be densely evergreen. It can be a little more sparse, but they can make very effective hedges as just one of so many examples. So an another, what would be considered a more unusual subject for using in a hedge is a loripetalum. I do a lot of business in Japan and China and they're used extensively there. And in recent years, lots and lots of cultivars have come into UK commerce and are popular in gardens as individual specimens. They're not as hardy as we would necessarily like, but they do grow in the milder areas. It's got these very pretty spidery kind of white and pink flowers and very nice foliage, kind of ruby red and variegations and that makes a handsome flowering hedge. The other one I, was, I wanted to mention is Magnolia laverfolia, which used to be Michaelia, but nowadays is Magnolia, and that's evergreen or at least semi-evergreen. That makes a really nice hedge. I've seen that on my travels 
frequently. And of course, it's got the smaller white and magnolia flowers. There are cultivars as well that are highly scented. So you get a, essentially an evergreen hedge that's easily managed and maintained. And as long as you prune it at the right time, you get lots of sweet, sweetly scented flower as well. So as a plant nerd, every space in your garden is an opportunity and the hedge is no exception. You know, don't be afraid to experiment. It makes life interesting for everyone when we can walk down the street and see something a little different. If you'd like to hear more from Kevin, check out his book, The Story of Trees. And stay tuned for his upcoming release about unusual edibles coming later in 2023. Up next is advisor Becky Mealy with another hedge love letter. My favourite hedge, if I have to choose, is a common hornbeam, and that is Carpinus betulus. This is a deciduous hedge. Often it can be used in place of a beech hedge because they are a little bit more robust and a little bit better at establishing and growing than sometimes beeches can be. But it is pretty similar in how it looks. I really like deciduous hedges. A lot of people, when they request hedge selections from the advisory team, they want an evergreen hedge and they want it to grow really tall and to block out the neighbours and things. But at the moment, I really like how I can see through my hedge a little bit and I can check on my neighbours and wish them a happy new year. And it actually lets a lot more light into the garden at this time of year. Then the spring comes and we get these zingy leaves that are like crinkle cut. I always have to touch them as I walk past. And then as they open up, you get that nice backdrop to the rest of your garden. And then the barrier's there in place, if you want a barrier. Just obviously for your privacy and for you to have your barbecues and, and just generally feel that you're in your own little garden room. And then as the season progresses again, autumn comes, the brown leaves come, and then you get this beautiful leaf mulch that is good for using the garden. Thanks, Becky. Speaking of deciduous hedges, January, it turns out, is the perfect time to plant them. If you're on the fence about putting up a hedge this winter, here's your sign to bundle up warm and start digging. Hello, I'm Lee Hunt, the Principal Horticultural Advisor at RHS Garden Wisley. At this time of year in January, often we're looking to plant hedging that is deciduous, things that have got no leaves on or brown leaves on. So we're not going to be planting evergreens at this time of year. The reason for that is they've completely died back. So deciduous hedges basically are dormant, so they don't notice the lifting out of the ground and then the replanting as much as they would in the summer months. If you imagine then they've got leaves, and of course leaves means that you've got something more to lose moisture from. This time of year when they go in the ground, they're going to lose very little moisture and they've got time as we go into spring for those roots to start to grow before the buds really begin to break. And that means that they're plugged into the soil moisture a bit more before they grow and it gets hotter and drier into the summer. So often this is a very successful way. So when you get them, you get like a bunch of sticks with some roots on the bottom. And your next step really is just to try and keep them from drying out. Just put them somewhere cool and relatively damp. So that might be just an outside shed. If you've got a little bit more time, you can rip the packaging off, just dig a very quick hole, bung the roots in the bottom and then cover them with soil. That's called healing in. 
and they will stay there fine for many months. You could leave them there until March if you don't have time. However, what you can do is get on and plant them as soon as you're ready. So at this time of year, as long as the ground is not frozen or waterlogged, you can get on and plant that hedge now. Most people want a relatively straight line hedge. So the simplest thing to do is rather than dig lots of individual holes, just dig one long trench. You'll have the roots and then a stem coming up. And on that stem, you'll see a slight change in colour where there is a bit of soil on the base and it's usually just above the uppermost roots. That level just above the uppermost roots on the stem is how deep they want to be in the ground. And often you'll find, therefore, your trench will only need to be between kind of four to eight inches deep. So we're not talking about massive digging outs of trenches here. It can be quite easy to do. With hedging, basically you'll want to get them in so they're about 45 to 60 centimetres apart. That sounds and can look quite a long way apart, but they will grow into each other, so don't worry about that. And usually you just put one in and work your way along the row. But as you're working your way along the row, backfill a bit of the soil so that it holds it in place so that you can get that spacing right. Then get the heels of your shoes or boots in around those roots to firm the soil. That means good soil contact. That plant stands a really good chance of growing away. This time of year, probably don't even need watering in. But if you do find the ground is very dry for any reason, just give them a bit of a soak. That's it. Hedge is done. It really is very quick and easy to do. And there's a lot of choice here. There's things like beech hedges and hornbeam. They're the ones that might have a few brown leaves on. And that's because when we cut them as hedges, you get this juvenile growth. And even in winter, although they might be deciduous, you get that covering of brown leaves. If you're thinking that, oh, you know, I don't want to see the neighbours, they will still provide you with some cover from the neighbours. Deciduous hedges are also brilliant because they're often native mixed hedges as well. So if you want to really encourage wildlife, if you look for something which is described as a native mixed hedge online, the suppliers will actually provide you with a mixture of things, and it's often things like hawthorn, quickthorn or blackthorn as it's sometimes known. You may get bits of holly, bits of spindle, which is a euonymus. So you'll get four or five different species and maybe even some roses in there as well. So when you open your parcel, you'll find there's actually very different looking things. Don't worry too much, just plant them randomly down the row and that will give you a great wildlife focused hedge. The first year, because they're new and doing root growth, they won't grow a lot. You might find that being more kind of two to six inches, depending on the species. But quite quickly, within three to five years, they could be a good four to six foot high, depending on your growing conditions. If you've got drier soil, they won't grow quite as quickly as if you've got moist soil through the summer. But by five, six years, they will literally make a pretty impenetrable barrier. You can buy bigger plants, but to be honest, buy small, they grow quicker and they're so much cheaper. And at a time where we're all assessing how much money we want to spend on things, it's a good excuse if you're talking with the neighbours to go, oh, this is a good cheap option. And it will mean that you get really good results. If you've got one New Year's resolution this year, it's plant a hedge. They're brilliant for wildlife. We heard from our scientists that they're already brilliant at doing things like 
reducing flooding and reducing air temperature in our hot days in summer. So there's many reasons to plant a hedge. And often we think about hedges as being quite high maintenance, but often they only need one clip a year. And the advantage I often think is that they last for generations, hedges do the tens of decades. And if you think about the life of a fence, which might be 15 to 20 years at best, often when that cost comes, it's a surprise and it's a lot of money. And it always happens at the most inconvenient time when you've got to do a fence panel, like through the middle of winter where it's really wet and miserable and you've got to get out there and repair it. Whereas hedges will survive all that wind and will just bounce back and resist it. It is a, a cheap and long-term investment and really for the minimal maintenance that they need once a year, they do repay more than tenfold. Thanks there to advisor Lee Hunt. And for our final piece of the day, we're headed up to North Yorkshire. I'm Esther Wolfe. I'm a horticultural advisor with the RHS based at RHS Hollow Carr in Yorkshire. And my favourite hedge is beech, Fagus sylvatica. So I appreciate lots of different hedges, especially native hedges for the wildlife value, of course, and you for the simple clean lines that it gives a garden. But if I had to list a favourite, it would be beech for a few different reasons, really. Firstly, beech is the only type of hedging I've ever lived with. Somehow we never had hedges in any of the places I've ever lived. We only had fences or walls if we had a garden at all. Until we moved to Yorkshire and we had a lovely big beech hedge in the front garden, which we've since extended into the back garden. Secondly, it was actually our beech hedge that first got me interested in how plants grow. It made me start to question why it was that our hedge kept its leaves over winter while the beech tree at the bottom of the garden didn't. It turns out that this is a phenomenon called marcescence, which beech trees grow out of unless they are kept in their juvenile state as hedging. They hold on to their leaves in the winter when they're young trees. And that questioning led on to more and more reading about plants and gardening until finally I decided to retrain in horticulture. So I love beech for taking me on that journey. Thirdly, I love the look of it. I love the delicate bright greens, soft new leaves in spring, and then the coppery brown leaves in the winter. It's like a, a two for one hedge. And it can be really smart if it's cut sharply, but it can also be left to look a little bit shaggier and more lived in. So I think the only thing I find a bit of a nuisance is the clearing up of those leaves. But even then you get fantastic leaf mould if you let them rot down long enough, so it's worth it. Thanks Esther. Well, that's about it for today. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's the best way to help us share the love of gardening and hopefully it'll mean we see more hedges replace fences throughout the UK. If you want to hear more about hedges, check out our episode from last March called The Amazing Guide to Hedges. But that's all for now. So from me, Gareth Richards, goodbye and thanks for listening. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them.
and in the garden. It's an easy step, and you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer, or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 